0: Welcome to Stories from the Pitch, a podcast dedicated to creating a living oral history about street performing and some of the crazy characters who populate this world. I'm Magic Brian, your host for this growing collection of interviews. I don't know when you're listening to this, but I know I'm recording it in May of 2020, while we're still dealing with the coronavirus, and I'm wondering what street theater will look like when it's over. I'm hoping this podcast brings some sense of fun and distraction while we wait. In this episode, I talked to Rob Collins. I was staying with him and his family in New York, England, for about a week in July of 2019. I've known Rob for years, but I never knew his whole story. We talked about being inspired to perform by his brother who was doing a street dance show, his duo show with Ben M, and being in Australia when they were cracking down on international acts. We talked about the big step in his career when he convinced his wife to quit her horrible job and basically become his manager, which got him more festivals than he's ever had. We also chatted about his company, Covent Garden Entertainment, that has been booking acts internationally. It was a fun conversation over several glasses of wine, or bottles of beer, or bottles of wine, I can't remember. I hope you enjoy it. All right, today is uh, July ninth, 2019. Allegedly. Allegedly. Well, we are in York, England. And I'm with uh, Rob Roy Collins, which is, by the way, a great show business name. How would you come up with that? It's my name. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's a pleasure to be sitting in your house and to be, have been hosted by you for the last... We've had a lovely week. Yeah. Yeah. It's been a lot of fun. And I got to work this amazing pitch in York. Mean it. <laughs> challenging but it's yeah. it's nice yeah it's been good and uh welcome to stories from the pitch i want to talk to you for several reasons uh, one is because uh you're a street performer mm-hmm. and second is because you now have a company that is higher street performers so it's like you've transitioned i have yeah yeah so what what got you started why did you decide to start performing
1: it was um through my brother he um how many brothers you have i've got three brothers and a sister and me uh, i'm the oldest and the next one down, Liam, he um, weirdly did, like, dancing in 70s nightclubs in Newcastle. And they went to Leicester Square once and saw these, like, human statues and a few break dancers and thought, I can do this. How old was he? He was, like, 18 or 19. He came up with this little, little show. And I was at university at the time. And he said, right, next summer, I think this is a two-man show. This could be it. Let's do it. So What were you saying at university? Law with German law. Law wow, yeah. with German law? Yeah. What the yeah. hell is that? I guess you'd say, like, I majored in law, but the, the, the extra bit on the side was German law, which is so boring. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hour and a half lectures in German, and then um, I just learned to sort of win friends and influence people. <laughs> I just made friends and, like, blagged it and said, please help me with my homework, and they did. That's crazy. Yeah, yeah. So you want to be a lawyer? I didn't, but I, at the time when you are applying it, you Age of seventeen, you don't know what you want to do. Really well, I, I appreciate now the number of friends I've met in the performing world who did want to did know what they wanted to do. But I had no idea. I just used to watch LA Law and thought that was that's brilliant. I'd like to do that. <laughs> I realise now you have to a live in LA Law and b it, it's not real. At all. No, <laughs> it's, it's, it's a television yeah, show. Yeah. Oh. Anyway, it was at, I think end of third year of university. It's the time when you get work experience with law firms and that's when you start to, like taking it seriously. And instead, I sacked it all off and my brother said, we'll, we'll do street shows in Leicester Square. And uh, we did it. It was a two-man double act. He was really good at dancing. I was just like the extra person. So how old were but you? 20? 21, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he was 20
0: or so. He's a good dancer. And he he's brilliant. He's,
1: he's, he's one of the best I've ever seen, Liam. And I just sort of rode on his coattails. But it was enough to sort of get an insight into street performing. We so what, what What was the show? Well, it's now called Face to Disco and it's a brilliant show and it has masks of famous people and it's like two-dimensional masks. But you can change it all the time for like current people. So it'd be um, Donald Trump, or in the past it's been Blair and Bush and all these different
0: people. And so th- this is what you were doing then. Yeah, it's like the so same is- show has just evolved into something better. Yeah, yeah, totally, totally. As soon as I left, yeah, got uh-huh. really good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But it, but it,
1: this was the beginning of it, and we were just fine. In our feet really is street performance. We'll look back at it as the best summer ever. Think about the money we made, and it was the least we've ever made. The street mm-hmm. performance, but it was the best because you know it's all new and exciting. It's amazing, and then. I went and finished my degree, and he carried on with the show, his show, and and made it good. My schoolmate convinced me to go there, to travel in Australia, and I'd heard these horror stories about fruit picking and things. And I was like, I don't know what to do. And he I'd been thinking about street performing, and he'd said to me, "So wait, you finished your degree, weren't you?" Didn't yeah, you that's when you're
0: supposed to go to go to a law firm, and
1: yeah, no, I didn't do that. I decided I wasn't right. going to be a lawyer. Yeah, so then you, you I went, went I went and worked in a, a media company in London, and that was brilliant. It was it was great, but I was destined not to work. For a regular job i think but I, I did enjoy it my friend said why don't you quit and we we'll are good traveling in australia i was like i'm in so like generously my brother just came to me and said look why don't you go and do the show because it it was his show really he said um dance show yeah he said "You you (laughs) well true true absolutely right but it was choreographed moves and he said look here's the video of, of me and our cousin doing the show very well copy those moves if you say a little opening line and you say a money speech it's a 50 minute show you will definitely make something and how good you do it, you know, is is up to you. I met my mate off the plane and I was like, We're gonna be street performers It was like all right. He is now a lawyer, actually. <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> He's trying to convince you to go.
1: Up yeah, yeah, her, yeah. Right? So we did it, and then he went traveling. And um, the best thing was uh, my next door neighbour was Emma Keuger, Ben Bendiem, and here, no, in Australia. Oh, she's really She, she No, oh, well, she was traveling as well. We we're just in this big house of backpackers, and I was like, look, I need somebody to do street perform with me. this show. Are you, are you up for it? And she's like, yeah, I'll, I'll do it. She was great. She was game for for giving it a go, and she could dance. She'd being a gymnast and things like that so we, we did it so you were your brother so, so i became the, the,
0: the, the or actually she the would mic. have been your brother and you still would have been you no, know, just no 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 I, I had to no,
1: know this was the thing i had become your brother and like actually um totally alien to me like actually speak on the mic and then and do and be the the, the lead person i noticed but having somebody who was talented next to me sort of people didn't notice i wasn't that good a dancer uh-huh. yeah my friend ray had been a good dancer and then and then emma, emma was really good but then we realized like we want to do this and Emma started going out with Al Miller at the time, and so that was great, so we were introduced to all the other street performers, and it was like eye opening, like, "Oh my God, these people get." paid to go around the world at these festivals and things like that. What like, year is this? 2001 early 2002 So you're in Australia hanging out you're working like in Sydney? Yeah Sydney at Circular Quay and then we, oh, we realised we weren't quite. Doing 15 minute shows Yeah so it was Paul Tolhurst at the time said look you should try Pitt Street Mall and it wasn't one of those you should leave the pitch go away. It was it yeah. was, it was really helpful. He said look I think you'd work well less. So we went up there and it was much easier. Eventually came down to Circular Quay as we were trying to develop the show because we're like look we've got to learn to do something here and after ages of racking our brains Emma said well I can do this and put a leg behind her head I was like <laughs> what right and then she put another leg behind her head I was like why didn't you tell me you could do that like, yeah it never occurred to me but yeah I can do that I was like okay it's <laughs> like see your contortion is because we've been taught about like could, could we learn to juggle could we do this and that I was like so you're committed to coming up with something together as a yeah, daughter, yeah 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 definitely definitely yeah. and then what we did was we came home and you'd be um, watching the guys, you see like JP and
0: Al, and, and yeah, and yeah, kind of uh-huh. go, hmm, okay, yeah.
1: And it just seemed, talk to them, they give you, yeah, 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 yeah. They were all lovely, lovely. It just seemed fantastic the way they got this big crowd. And you can do that, yeah, yeah. It was like, we, we could do that. So, what I did like, I came home earlier, and I was thinking, how, how many months were there? Uh, I think we were there about six months. I came home mm-hmm. earlier, and Emma went traveling, and then she sort of said, Do a bit more traveling. Sorry, they drop you in it. I'm like, Oh, okay, okay. So, I thought, Well, I'm going to to do something myself while I'm waiting, and I came to. It's weird. I came to New York, and this is where I live now. I came I come full circle, and I saw guys street forming there. Okay, you're from Newcastle. Yeah, yeah. And Newcastle's brilliant. It's it's so it's busy every day, and there's about five pitches. And I've learned over the years that the audiences are perfect if you're really. Bad, they'll tell you. But if they're if you're really good, they'll also tell you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Over the years, I did get better. Come up and we go. Hey, mate, you are brilliant. There you used to be shite, but you're great now. <laughs> <laughs> and the man is so genuinely. It's like, like it's, yeah. it's, it's a compliment, isn't it? Yeah, you know?
0: yeah. I was talking to your dad the other day when we were in Newcastle. Yeah, like, yeah. It's like we just go up to the McDonald's and just sit and wait. I couldn't watch him. I'm sorry to get better, but he's like we just couldn't watch it. Oh back in the day, Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. I was I guess it was fearless. I was just like I think I had a game plan of like, I know I'm not that good, but I will be better. Yeah. and I remember we'd filmed our show in Manly Emma and I my brother Liam mm-hmm. kept it and one day showed me and Sam pressed this video and it was cringeworthy oh it was oh, awful yeah. the one thing I did I, I did a money speech at the end and it was actually it was alright it was mm-hmm. quite good and watching it going actually that's not bad so I think I think we knew we weren't that great but we knew we were on uh, you know we were heading in the right direction yeah. yeah we had no illusions of grandeur that we were any good yeah. but we knew <laughs> that between us we were committed and we
0: would be so when you were saying Emma when Emma said she was going to travel more and you came back here and you are like alright I'm going to do something you, you said you came here to York to work to yeah work I came and, and saw these
1: street performers in York and, do you remember who um, was there? Uh, yeah a um, guy called Giovanni who's now he emigrated to Canada there was another guy called Andy Pendle, who's Andy Baloney, he retired and he's now a, a university lecturer. There's another few more. Anyway, a few of them were doing escapes. And I thought, oh, that, I could maybe do that. It was, it was literally like um, they had straight jackets and all sorts, but one of them had chains. It was like, ooh, chains. I could buy chains. Mm-hmm. I could, you know. That's something I can get at the hardware so. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. But it's also, I've always stepped by that because it's that thing of people can relate to it. Like, I related to it then. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, right, I could... Only me would say, well, I will buy that and try it out. Fortunately, the majority of people watching would never think that. Yeah. <laughs> Which is why crazy. is an idiot? Yeah, yeah, yeah. If I go to have an old try, but yeah. And then Emma turned up from travelling with a stray chap and, and she said yeah I just bought the jackets I don't know why I was like well that's amazing I've, <laughs> well I've, I've just I've just bought chains like, was she trying to do solo stuff or something? no I don't know what she was doing but she was still excited about the idea you guys did yeah that. yeah absolutely, absolutely so she arrived and I was like actually I, I know what I'm doing here I can I can build a crowd and stuff like that so I was just on the mic and she would say very little and would do our escape but we, I, I knew from the start it had to be the best double act I think would be 50-50 you know and I, some of the best ones that I've seen I remember Stu Goldsmith and Noel one said everything and one said nothing but there was still 50-50 in what they said just he, did, he, he didn't he did say it with words so we worked on Emma talking more and more and we got really slick when it was 50-50 we had a good script and what was and all like
0: that. The, when you were gymnast or something you had like I remember well I used to be a pole vaulter so I had some strength and Emma
1: used to be a gymnast yeah, yeah. well we so we what, what, went what? back to Manly um lived there and we joined a, an acrobatics acrobalance group and we were like only like that trick, that trick, and that trick, and learn like three. And we just practiced them all day long. You only you do, like three or four in a show. Yeah. And we just focused like that rather than having a base of like, well, if you learn this one, then you can learn this one. And it was like, no, we just want to learn that one. And that's what we did. So that, that gave us a good solid show. And then Emma got the box, uh, glass Perspex box, which she got into, and we yeah, included that in the show. There was like two good years we had of, of building it. And by the end, it was a really good show. And we did some good ones at Edinburgh. What did you call yourselves? High Rise. Because we did a hand to hand handstand was our best move, which took so much practice and honestly, sometimes went wrong. I dropped her on her head a few times; it was awful. <laughs> but it was okay. it was good because I know a lot of duo uh, male and female are a couple, and we never ever were. And and that was our strength I think because we could fall out and then it would be fine. You know, it was just it was um, friends. yeah, 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 totally friends, and we always had our. It was always fine. But we yeah, it got good, and then. Um, Emma went back to Australia and I stayed in England, so
0: we just went solo after that. But that was it, there was no like, this is the last show we're doing together.
1: No, 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 she just, um, she just started developing her like little, little bit of self. And so by the time I got to Australia, she was doing a show on her own and I was. And it's, it's that weird thing of like, I'll oh, we'll probably make more money if we do our own show than yeah. splitting it. And that's
0: fine. And when were you just doing street? Did you get any festivals or anything in the two years? No, no, we just
1: did street forming. So,
0: where yeah. were you doing? Where prim- oh, we've got one festival at? once at this.
1: That our first ever gig, our only ever gig, was the Sunderland Air Show, where a guy booked us. It was a free thing, mm-hmm. anyone could turn up, but he'd roped a little area off, which you had to pay to get into. Mm. And all that was inside was a face painter, a Kestrel display, and us and we so we did a couple of shows to like 10 people okay. and then after and the first show airplane just came overhead and we were like when do they stop are like oh no they'll be going on all day <laughs> <laughs> it was the worst time of gig we're like well we're probably going to go like, yeah. and it um, yeah got better from there are you going to
0: compete yeah. with the planes nah. <laughs> no no, no chance no chance at all they're amazing you know, it's formations yeah. so where, where where did you work what pitches did you work together so in,
1: in England uh, we did I went to Dublin a few times that was fun but um, we did uh, you, Stream
0: in Dublin yes
1: really yeah or, actually no what we'd do after we'd gone a separate ways was we'd Emma would come over for the summer and we'd go off and, and do a little tour together and we'd share the pitch and it was brilliant. I remember we worked in Dublin we, we got a hotel room 100 metres from the pitch and somebody would get up early in the morning and go and get the pitch at 8.30 the other person would come down at like 9.30 and we'd take turns and it's the first show at 10 and we'd go back and back till about 4 stop eat have a shower come out for a 7 o'clock show 7 o'clock, 8 o'clock do a few shows each and then finished for about 10 or 11 or something. It was in, unbelievable. Just the two of you? Yeah. Well, sometimes there'd be somebody else on pitch. I remember like Scoot being there once and different people. But I just, just knocked them out. And it was, it was great. Yeah. But only for a few days. you know. And then yeah. we'd, we'd go. But we used to work at um, Newcastle a lot. Liverpool. We came to York a bit. As a, as a duo? Yeah, yeah. That was yeah. when we were a duo. And just from our sort of insight into Liam performing, he, he's always done that he's always gone to all these different cities where it's really busy and you can get a crowd quickly, you can do shows quickly and there's no one else you know how to share and and I never agreed with like sitting on a pitch like at Covent Garden or something or Circular Key, for like five hours waiting for you one show I, I don't think that's a good way to, to learn really it's good to see other performers but I think you've got to be bashing out like four and five shows a day, haven't you? Every day to sort of learn. Yeah, yeah, of course. And, and what what we were great at is, um, I know a lot of people start off in a double act, and it, it is great, <clears throat> because Emma and I would, would come off from a show and analyse the hell out of this. Every single show, like, do this, change this, change that. And we we're, were very good at that, figuring it out and, and, and changing and improving from one show to the next to the next. You know, it, it got to a, quite a nice little show. And then, you know, later on at night, just analysing it. And, so you guys you know, would talk to each other, you'd watch each other's shows? And... Uh, no, this was when we were a double act. Oh, okay. so, so by the end of doing, you know, I think it was like two full summers of, of this duo act... Um, we both had it figured out, you know. We both knew what was what. Yeah. So then we both went out into our own shows, and then it's, it is a bit different doing your own show, but um, it's still the same fundamentals, isn't it? You know, when you, as long as you know
0: how to build a crowd and keep a crowd, in, and then get the pay at the end. Yeah. Yeah. There's always little things you can figure out. So when you guys are in like in Dublin, yeah, doing those back to back to back to back, would you watch each other's shows? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, you know, like, yeah, 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 yeah. If you do this, this will change this a little bit. If you try this. Here's an idea for a joke. You do you kind of like
1: yeah yeah sit and down together. And- there's the, there's still the odd thing in Emma's show that was like I remember when I said I came up with that. Yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. that little bit of, nothing groundbreaking, but yeah little bits and stuff. Yeah yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah so we would would we'd sort of watch each other's show and one had a, an
0: observation the others would, would sort of say
1: it. And, um,
0: you guys are doing your solo shows and then when did you just start started focusing on I'm going to build my show bigger or I'm going to start travelling more? Was there a point when you decided you guys can also work not in the same city?
1: So I went back to Sydney this time with a solo show and Emma was already there. She'd been there already and see, she had a solo show.
0: So, so what we, year is this? This is like 2004? Um, it's been 2003 I think it was. Oh, so. And you just dedicated so all you were doing was street. Yeah. So you, you but do for years, summer, but for- summer, here, yeah, and then winters you'd go over to Australia. I must have done about six years of that.
1: I've never seen a proper British winter. Wow, yeah, it was great. And sometimes I come back in April, and it wasn't quite sunny enough, and you get so frustrated. And then people say, like, you weren't here in January. You've no idea <laughs> yeah. what it was like in February. <laughs> like, oh, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. yeah, and that worked out brilliantly. I did. I think I did four years in Sydney, and then finally. That's a hard there mark, was, work in Sydney. I loved it. There was Manly occasionally, but Wharf too, and then MCA, which I believe is now have shifted along a bit. Mm-hmm. With with likes of Mean Jewels in It's Magnifico kind of start at the same time. So we always look back fondly of sharing a pitch together and if we're being honest with each other. Looking back, and we weren't that great then, yeah. you know. But well, that's hard. But I mean, I,
0: yeah, yeah. But I, great place to learn. Yeah, yeah. I guess. I mean, I remember. I don't know if it's still the case now. But years ago, so I remember it was like, if you want to learn how to be a street performer, go to Australia. Because mm. it's just so hard to work. And I don't necessarily think now that that is true. It's like, if you want to be a certain kind of street performer, go to Australia. I don't think go to Australia, be a street performer.
1: I, I, I think go to Newcastle. Uh, Newcastle worked for me. It was um, very busy, but there was loads of distractions. Like Because it's so busy, and every shop's open, and they're playing music and different things. There's always stuff going on. That you're fighting against like 20 different reasons for people to leave and it learned to get really tight. Show, yeah. And, and I know that that's the opposite of some certain shows which are much more fluid and creative and artistic and stuff like that, which just wouldn't work there. And that's absolutely fine. But I think it's a real skill having a, a show where when you need to be have a tight
0: show, uh, well, well, it worked well for me, it put me in good stead, after, yeah. So it's after, like yeah. Keep, keeping focus. Pulling focus from other places, keeping your yeah. audience on your side and stuff, and yeah. having the next moment, the next moment. But I think that, that was the thing that, that with, with Australia was like maybe Al was telling me about transitions years and years ago. Is like you can't have a, trans, a slow transition in Australia. People walk away. Like you juggle, you stop, yeah. they clap, and you put your your juggling balls down, and they'll walk away. So it's like everything has to be so tight there. Oh well, i the exact same. I found the exact same in Newcastle. Oh, you know? okay, it was yeah. just
1: the same, yeah, yeah, yeah. But for different reasons, I, I didn't, yeah, maybe sure. I don't know why Australia they would go because there's nothing going on. It's I just, key, but it's mean, just yeah. the start of I, it, like in New York it's, it, as well. Yeah. It's like a, they all had the patience. Didn't wanna... Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. It's something to battle with, and I, but I, I just got a real kick out of winning that battle, mm-hmm. you know, and holding that crowd. I found it. Yeah. I've always just found it fascinating. Just the whole, you like the challenge, just yeah, and the psychology of it, and all the rest of it. In it, it won- one brief time i thought that that would be my sort of the transferable skills i put together like a a lecture i did it at a a festival it's like a warm-up to a lot of performers or you know people getting into performing and then i got booked to do it to a bunch of salespeople talking about the the psychology of it and and the transferable skills are incredible for for street performing and and I, i find all that fascinating i really do I've, I've sat up till you know early hours of the morning at festivals with certain people like um jacob from dream state circuits me and it because they start off in newcastle as well at the same time and mm. they, they live in australia now but um and we're of the same sort of you know same background we start off at the same place and we seem to have a lot of things in common like that and him and i will will talk to the final minute details of, of shows like you know like it's a science and stuff is like must be very boring to somebody over here in the conversation but we love it you know yeah yeah you know, no, it's, it's fascinating it's, I, yeah. yeah
0: I love talking about show stuff yeah. And the, yeah that little minutia in there but when you were younger was it was it, did you have any interest in circus or performing or nothing, nothing at all not not at all I was, but, I was but you were. You said you were pole vaulter in, in school yeah so I was a sportsman yeah 110 hurdles focused kind of
1: yes that's the thing I was I was a, sort of a school board champion at pole vaulting Scottish national champion at my age group congratulations me, thanks very much yeah still got the medal somewhere yeah <laughs> the scottish yeah I wasn't right. scottish but, <laughs> but you were allowed to compete because I was I was from Newcastle and I was not far away you, you were allowed to compete as like a guest mm-hmm. in it so I went up and, and beat all the scottish um athletes
0: made feel
1: like yeah it I did it did yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but I've I, I I enjoyed the sort of the competitive edge of applying yourself. Everyone says I'm competitive, and I'm, I'm not in the sense that I have to win, but I have to give it my best. I have to try my best and then go, all right, well, you know, maybe I didn't win, but I, I give it my all. And I kind of try
0: to apply that to, to street performing the same. Yeah, you, you just know? have a focus. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. This is, yeah. I'm going to try to figure out how to make this work. Yeah. And I'm going to keep doing it until I figure out how to make it work. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah that was exactly me for like 15 years, it must have been. Yeah. Well, you still well, be the same.
1: Yeah, just kids and, you know, all the okay. rest of it. But yeah, but yeah I, I learned a lot from from sport, I think, which I've applied to that. But I never had... I was never in the drama group or anything like that. I guess I had a sense of humour, but I was never the joker or the, the the actor or the performer or nothing like that. It was literally... What happened to your sense um, of humor? Don't know. Just years of wearing down, <laughs> hanging out with you on pictures, <laughs> <laughs>
0: it's
1: knocked it out of me. <laughs> Slide <laughs> myself in different ways.
0: <laughs> <They> stole it <laughs> Yeah, it's interesting. I was thinking about that. I mean, just you know, when you were mentioning about being and Paul Walter and everything, and, you know, when you're when you're an athlete and you to be an athlete and you yeah. do have a certain focus and if you're successful an athlete and you, you take that kind of that focus and that drive and you apply it to something else then and if you had success with that you're going to want to have success with this something else yeah i think
1: i mean it was great it got got me uh, all around the world and festivals and things like that and, and then it changes doesn't it you know then you see that's next level you know from from just doing streets and then you realize you know what's going on in the world and everything like, what do you I just remember going to Christchurch to. Oh, because, well, the, the backstory is so I did, I think it was four or five um, Australian summers. Australia. And, then, and then the last one, there was, there was a guy who was Korean who was a, like a, like a walk by human statue style and he was a donkey and he had like crutches on his arms so that his arms and his legs were as long as each other like a donkey was and if you put any money in he would like shake his head and there's a bell around his neck would ring and you'd see him like taking a break and he looked insane like he was either on drugs or just like crazy focused So well, he was wearing a and donkey hat yeah he was just in, so, in, so hot and then, and then you'd see him just go back on and you'd see him at any given time anyway something must have happened and somehow it came about that he'd overstated his visa by years <laughs> <laughs> so so by that, mistake oh, oops.
0: <laughs>
1: by about seven years <laughs> yes.
0: not by seven days Seven years. So that led so, someone... That's a major fuck-up. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
1: yeah,
0: yeah. they were like, what are you doing here?
1: And then they found out that he was making money. So that led somebody to sort of ask the question, who else is performing, you know, in Australia? Uh, like who's an what year was this? Performer? Oh, right. It must have been about 2005, I think. Five or six. Okay. Might yeah. have been 2006.
0: Even. Yeah. Uh, I think I so, remember. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember this. So with my first time was Australia, Adelaide, two thousand four. Then I think I went to Sydney right after that, and everything was fine. Then I remember hearing about something about be careful coming in. Right. Well, well, I
1: I was the the one that got caught. Um, I think Mike Howe microphone might got questioned. I think he was there. I, um, so what? The police would come over after your show? No, no, no. I got called because you have to you have to apply for a license at the city hall. Okay, a bus yeah. license. So they yeah. have your details and everything. And yeah. they ran and they just <clears> um. <throat> You're a street performer, yeah. Are you, can you come in and speak to us? Yeah, sure. And um, the funny thing was, I wasn't actually performing then because I was meant to be. And I'd been out in this um, big fundraiser night for the, um, the tsunami charity relief that happened. So when was that, 2004 or 5? Anyway, I got blind drunk and I couldn't get into my flat. And so I decided to climb up to the balcony. And I climbed up about a foot, half a meter, and fell and smashed my face and uh, I needed I needed reconstructive surgery oh, like uh, so I've got metal plates in my eyebrow and, and really cheekbone. yeah 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 and it's, it's it properly it re- messed oh, up oh yeah 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 and but so I went into to this immigration it fell on a meter. oh that's all it was but I've had a lot of wine and I fell just on my face completely
0: and I remember having the how did you I, get to the hospital Oh, my friend took me. Yeah, so he found and someone me. said I heard like the melon. No. no,
1: someone threw a melon at the window. <laughs> yeah, it was someone. Like I, I was going to go look. I took. I was wearing it. a suit and I took off my shirt to stop the blood. And then I was so drunk and in pain, but I had the for some reason I got the hose out. It was down because it was a block of flats and hosed my blood away so that people wouldn't be shocked in the morning. <laughs> you know
0: the weird things <laughs> yeah, you do yeah, yeah, when, yeah, you, yeah.
1: when you're drunk. Yeah, like folding your socks and things like. that. Why would you do that? Yeah, <laughs> and, and then and I went to hospital. And so when I went in to meet these people from immigration, like my face was black and blue. And they're like, we, we, we noticed you've got a bus game permit. Are you street performing at Circular Key? And I just looked at my face and went, absolutely not. And they said, have you ever performed? And I just told the truth, I said, yeah. I just came in, got a permit. No one asked me any questions. And well, if you have a permit, then why would you say? Yeah, exactly, exactly. And they, they were really nice about it. They said, look, the deal is you're making money. And if you came over and you're a taxi driver or you're street form it doesn't matter. If you if you're not on a work visa, you, you can't be doing it. And I said, well, all right. How do I get one of them? So well, you need someone to employ you. I said, well, how does that work? And he said, we're well, really sorry, we've no idea. Because I said, well, the, the audience, my audience, every time is, how, how does that work? Were you freaking out or are you very calm? I was very calm. I was very, calm. I was very calm. Yeah, yeah. I think I. would you worried, you weren't worried? No, about I think I could do it. This is the thing. I think I'd be really good at a heist or something. Because even if I got a course <laughs> I, I don't I'd be the one to crack. I was pretty calm um, and we come f- up with a heist then? Shall we? Yeah Let's <laughs> <laughs> definitely record it tell the world what our plans are <laughs> And so that was it for me So I uh, that, that, that tour anyway was ruined because of facial yeah, disfigurement um, so, so the following year Bruce So did, how much longer did you stay there? Just the, uh, until I intended to. I think at the very end, the St Kilda Festival in Melbourne, I did that with Emma. Mm-hmm. We went down and, and shared the pitch and I thought, well, no one's going to know me in Melbourne. I'll take a chance for one day. You sort of faced the other day? Yeah, I had done, yeah. I still had no feeling in my... Facebook. but half my face, but I could, you know, <laughs> but it takes years for the nerves to grow. But otherwise, oh I was fine. God. Yeah. So you like it. go ahead, hit me. Hit me. <laughs> feel
0: like
1: it. Got a steel plate. And <laughs> Hurt your fingers, right? Yeah. It was awful. Yeah. So, so the following year, I was in London, and um, it was Bruce Carroll, who's now Ganga the Great. He'd said, "Look, I think New Zealand, you'd like that." So. Um, Christchurch I went to and I loved it, it do you know Christchurch that, is
0: that's when we ran into you exactly so that was
1: very similar to York it was like got a big cathedral a good pitch nice local performers tourists coming through it was before the earthquake happened and it was great and so I did that two years in a row and, and that was again I think performing and travelling has always been the making of me I think staying on one pitch Forever just can make you stagnant, and I always learned so much from different pitches. Absolutely,
0: yeah. And also, also I not mean, only just from like working on a pitch, but seeing other performers well, yeah, that's that, well, they're in and being in a different place, yeah, seeing how d- different languages,
1: different cultures, different pacing all of that. All of that. Well, I mean, I went, I did six trips to um, Japan to Tokyo, I learned to do my whole show in Japanese, really, yeah. But people would ask me afterwards. Come in and taught me. And I like. I couldn't speak any Japanese. I could just say my show like when was practically nice? fluently from from two thousand two thousand three. I got it was a festival, gay Festival, and they booked me. I think six times. So up to two thousand and eight, six times I did it. The same festival,
0: and, yeah, yeah, but how also, do how to, do you learn your show in Japanese?
1: Oh, I, I was going out with a girl at, at the time who was Japanese, so she translated it for me, and I just learned it like flashbacks. Yeah, cool. And then I, and yeah, and then I worked on, on the pitch buskin as well at the festival and just learned so much from the other performers there. I didn't have a clue what they were saying, but their their work ethic was fantastic. And where in their, Japan were it? It was so Yokohama and Tokyo, so I'd work Shinjuku, and there was a guy called um Kazuki who uh was was fantastic i've never seen anybody get a crowd like it he was he was incredible and when i, and I keep in touch with him when i can and he's, he's the most shy and polite humble guy but wow he could perform mm. and again the, he was on a unicycle but not all these massive ones just like a, a five footer or something but incredible and then it's um Yokohama, it's called grandma cohen and there's a few guys there and uh, Just a different style, different style. They had great sound systems, really good use of music, like clean props, you know, like all the exact opposite of Covent Garden at the time when Mm -hmm. amplification was banned. People had like the crappiest clubs, juggling clubs from 10 years and stuff. And it's brilliant seeing different things, you know, and take inspiration, you know. I couldn't do any of their tricks. I didn't know what they were saying, so I couldn't take anything from them other than just an attitude which was which was fantastic, and the same was, was when I went to, to Christchurch, the the festival was on the World Buskers Festival, so I stuck around for a couple of days, and then I'd- that was
0: 2007. Think yeah, that's 2006, 2007, yeah. yeah, Yeah, six, that's because yeah, I was there, and then then we ran into you in Queenstown. Well, that was the thing, yeah. So, so, so the, the, the
1: shows were amazing. It was like oh wow, this is this is next level stuff. These these shows, these performances. And I thought I'd love to be at,
0: at that level, and and it was not, nice to have a goal of I'd, I'd like to. i But well, you, you had done these festivals in Japan, right? Any other, yeah, like, yeah. You hadn't done any other festivals besides? No, I hadn't at that point. I mean, you got back to no. Japan. You also? That's, but you got brought to Japan to do a festival. That's True,
1: yeah, yeah. Yeah, but look, I, I knew the limits. I knew my show was fine, but then I saw a load of other acting, yourself included, and thought, ah, oh, that's, that's brilliant. So, and then I went to Queenstown, and that was brilliant. I mean, it was dead quiet during the day because everyone was like bungee jumping or skydiving. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and then at night, people come out, there's three shows to be had between it being busy enough and too dark. So if there's four performers, someone's not going to show. Mm-hmm. So after a couple of days, someone leaves yeah, you know, It's like you've got, you've got to call each other's bluff until someone leaves. Yeah, Um but that one show was a good one um, at the time. And I've heard different things over the years. Oh, it got good and it got bad, and it, you know, and then they stopped it and then they didn't. But back then, it was great. And I remember sharing the pitch with Kenny Lightfoot? That was he, he was always good value. And um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. um, an apron the first time, like for like, Rob. Yeah, that's when that's when
0: that's, that's when That's you, you were know, that Yeah,
1: and so I was just in a bar. I'd say I never stayed in backpackers ever. But I did in Queenstown in, like, a 10-man dorm. And it was hideous. But it was, like, I met some great people. And I really enjoyed it because I knew I was only there for, like... A 10 days or something yeah so I didn't mind it it was great and then you guys turned up oh, it was brilliant it was Pedro wasn't there and Lana and himself and Lana Lindsay. Schwartz and Lindsay, but yeah. Lindsay Banner, yeah yeah
0: yeah. I, I, yeah, we did a little tour a little tour of, of um, we, got, we got a camper van because we went to we we, we, had a, we, are, we all knew we were going to stay a week after the festival during the festival we're like hey we should just you want to travel together yeah, let's do it we we'll rent a car and uh, we go to the car rental place and so Lana and I wanted to work Lindsay and Pedro didn't want to work they're like whatever we're, we did not need to do anything and I'm like well if I can do shows somewhere I'll, I'll throw my case in the car mm-hmm. and I'll do some more shows and Lana was doing a statue act at the time and so she had like a a column like a foam mm-hmm. column and she was like a statue in the thing and, and so we get to the car rental place and we're looking and we're like this shit's not going to fit in the car and they're like well you guys are the buskers we're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. They're like Oh, we love the buskers. Hang on a second. Say, so upgrade us from, like, a normal car to a camper van. I mean, if only everything in life was that easy. Oh, my hey, God. Hey, we're buskers, and you come. Yeah you, know, you like, Here yeah, you got it. And then that's how we were able to pick you guys up and yeah, like, on a hike. That's the only reason I fit within the van. Yeah, yeah. we're like, yeah. hey, you guys want to come with us? We're going on a hike. Yeah, yeah. let's go. It was so great. It felt yeah. so good to be like, we can host you in our <laughs> car. But these are all the good bits of performing, aren't they? Mm. You know,
1: I remember speaking to Paddy Bramwell's at it's Glastonbury last time and he performs very little now I think he, he well answered. since
0: I remember I did, I did um, Edmonton with him years ago like maybe 10 years ago or something and he had it's the first time I met him and at the time he was like he was waiting to get his see if he got his degree right to be like a, to teach well he's, he's doing, doing it, all that now. He got, yeah. but he announced it we were there he's like guys I can now teach what I do. Yeah. Like whatever. And we're like, well, was, you know, he's like, I'm, I'm moving on. Like he'd yeah. done it for so long. It was really kind of cool that, you know. Yeah.
1: And that's life, isn't it? You know, like all those guys in, in York who were there when I started, they've, they've all moved on. And um, I remember speaking to Paddy and he was saying he, he performs very little now. Yeah. Um, and I said, do you miss it? And he said, do you know what? I miss being a performer. And he said he didn't really miss doing the show necessarily mm-hmm. or having to get yourself ready and all the rest of it. But, but the, all the trappings of being a performer, and it's mainly the people. It's, it's the people you, you, you hang out with. Like, like we are now, you know? Yeah, like, yeah. like what love the week you staying with me and, and everything. And we've, we've been on the pitch. And yeah, and the people you meet along the way. That's, yeah. that's the lovely aspect of being a street performer. Yeah, even the shitty stuff is kind of fun. Basically, yeah, because it's yeah. not that shitty, really, is it? You know, and and yeah. if it's if it is, it's a problem shared anyway, isn't it? You know, yeah. there's a few of you. Yeah,
0: yeah that's why I like like you know coming here and like uh well like two years ago I was like I work on Pearl Street and I was in Toronto. I think that year I did a lot of just street street. I was in Toronto and then I was on Pearl Street. And you just at Pearl Street is just it's just tiring sitting on the pitch all day, but you know it's pros and cons. Just like having that thing where you know everyone's just suffering together, kind of you yeah know, like, yeah. And Uh then in Toronto, like, we were always, like, Jeff and, uh, and, uh, Opar and I, just the three of us kind of sitting there going, like, all right, well, I guess you go first and, you know, you know, you're just trying to make something happen and with some, you know, you're all happy for each other when it happens and, you you know, and there's something to that. The hard, like, it's not great. Yeah. It's hard and it sucks, but there's some aspect of it that's kind of, there's a little bit of joy in it. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I'd rather just go and do my show and get paid Uh and not have to, like, yell at people for 10 minutes to come look at me. Yeah, but there's something to the but yeah. whole thing, like and sitting by the pitch all day. Like, why am I still sitting here? I can go do anything else, but yeah. now I just sit. It's a strange thing. Well, okay.
1: I guess that I think the best for me, the best pitch going is, is of course Covent Garden, um, and that's different because there's a draw. So mm-hmm. you know, roughly what with you know, give or take two hours, depending on yeah. how long yeah. you're yeah. Around, You know, when you're on, so you don't necessarily have to sit there all day. You know what time your one show is, but. You still end up hanging out at the back and everything. And, yeah. And it's such a long roster of performers. You know, there's always more people than there are shows in the day turn up. Mm-hmm. And so there's always a great crowd of people there. I used to love going for breakfast, and the Café Masters has just closed down. Oh, did it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that was the, the great place to go, you know. You, you guarantee... closed down. Because of, what do you really call it, gentrification or whatever you want to call it. Basically the the gentrification garden
0: with...
1: well I mean it was just a piece yeah. of chaff, you know yeah so just like I mean, the they closed every day at four o'clock and like there's millions of tourists walking around and never understood why they didn't stay up until the evening and, and do the evening trade but uh. I mean there was a news agent next to it where it sells newspapers and you know sweets and chocolate and stuff and now it sells like these weird um, soaps and they're like no one ever goes in you know right. but eventually people just can't pay the rent and somebody else has a go, and um, and that's that's nice how today. it is, yeah. But but uh, but you know on on a Saturday, you know the draw, and then yeah, or a Sunday, and then hit masters. There'd always be there'd be anything up to like the whole place taken up by street performers no, to I'm, at least I'm, a couple of tables
0: or something. Yeah, you know? it's, yeah. yeah. And it I just like, just follow Lee. Where are we going? Okay, we're going here. Just, I'm, yeah, this is yeah, what we on. do, and it's great. It's, yeah, yeah. Um, I just want to shift for a bit because I wanted to ask you about like how long you've been doing this. Exact show. Like when did you do a ladder, a chain escape on a ladder? Yeah. Um, So you, you know, saw the show where a guy was escaping so I can buy some chains. When did it evolve? How long did it take for it to evolve to the point where you built a ladder, got on the ladder and, and did that?
1: I, well, it's, okay, so it was always chains. That was the thing I bought chains. Like, right, that's it. And you know, once, and how much did you buy? Did you, like, well, a you know, it looks good. Or it it changes so much. But um, you'd probably think, oh, I didn't buy enough or something. But I probably, mm-hmm. actually, I think I bought too much. And also, it was it was small chain again because of what I could afford. Because the bigger chain's more expensive, mm-hmm. right? Um, and what I've learned over the years is that the small chain, although that's tighter it doesn't look as good and um, the bigger chain looks, looks bigger <laughs> Silly, that small chain would hurt more too yeah it? and all that yeah and then, and then I find galvanised is quite good but then um, even that doesn't that tarnishes but I had, I had normal chain and I went to Singapore recently and it like a combination You're of the humidity and my sweat like it would rust every day after yeah show. So, so now then I upgraded to stainless steel, and honestly, Brian, I've never looked back. Honestly. No, no <laughs> yeah. You're about, yeah, 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 yeah. I'll never change. I know. But so it was always changing. Because then, then I, I've never learned to juggle. I
0: still can't. You no, know, I mean either, three balls, two hands. That's it, it, yeah. But he is gonna yeah. try harder. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, well, yeah. I mean, I mean, I sort of yeah. keep three objects in the air for a short period of time. I wouldn't consider I it really entertaining. Do you know what
1: Anyway, I wasn't focused... But do you know what? I think the, the, what worked for me was not having that skill level. I know that sounds deft, but a lot of people have learned to juggle and then it's like, right, that's an in to being a street performer or being a performer because you've got, you've got skills, right? And I never had that. My weird way in was through my brother's dance, disco dance
0: show, even though I couldn't dance. And then, and then from that... I'll figure out chains, but so how did you? Well, I want to know how did, with evolution. Have you seen an escape artist in your, here in New York buying chains, deciding how much to get, and then working out how you would get out of it? Did you like do research on? Well,
1: to be honest, then, I've, I've I've done so many um, interviews for you know at festivals and things for the press, and they always pick up on the fact that I'm a have a law degree. It's got me so many column inches. I thought they were going to say they pick up the fact you're bald well, <laughs> as well. Yeah. <laughs> But um, the uh, the other thing is, is sometimes like, escape artists, escapeologists, seems to be a little bit different. So sometimes they're like that. So they ask the story. And so my, the, the story, I guess I've probably embellished a little bit for the sake of um, the articles. But what I always, always tell them is that my friend who's um, so you're going to tell me a story that
0: you made up as no I'm, I'm going to tell you the truth but I've, <laughs> I've, I've,
1: I've handed up for when I'm doing an interview because they, they love hearing it all and they, they, they love a story but basically I ran my friend schoolmates and said listen can you come round would you tie me up don't ask questions just come around and he did he's called Richard and he's um he's my kid's godparents and um, he just did and he did it and it's that terrible thing like doing anything the first time you just it's it's awful it's awkward isn't it yeah but
0: what is yeah, your, yeah. How well, did you decide how anything would get wrapped around you how many locks you would need that was the thing I just right? I, I think I had like three again because probably that's
1: all I had enough money for three padlocks so I tried three and then it was like maybe try this way and try that way and it's, it, and it's always a Balance between it basically it's ultimately what looks good. Like that's all it is. So I'm sure there's loads of ways to get tired. Did you
0: have any concept about the fact you can get out of chain? Did you know that you could get out or did you think it was gonna be really hard?
1: I had no idea. Okay. It was like it was like it was like I'd seen um, people getting through tennis rackets and even squash rackets, and it's like I had one lying around like I have to know. And I cut all the strings out and like uh, there's no chance in the world I could get through it. not a chance but I had, I had to know you know yeah and the same for like uh, I was just dead curious same for change like well I've no idea we'll give it a go and I think I dare say the first time I just didn't I couldn't and they didn't do it. Like,
0: you ever oh, read dude. anything about any of the stuff that's now nah, to know? None, none of it. None of it. I what it's hard. I mean, it can be hard. It can be, definitely can be challenging. Yeah. But, yeah. At the time, I did fire reading, which, again,
1: Jacob yeah. taught me. And it took him 10 minutes to teach me. And I did some fire reading and then the escape. And so, like, all of it took me, like, collectively, like, half an hour to learn. <laughs> you know, like, because you just, you know, you do it different ways with the chain and stuff and and then it's like how does it look good and then and back to the skill level thing I'd never really applied myself to like practicing loads on tricks I just applied myself to like the talking and the the little intricacies and psychology around it and all Mm -hmm. the rest of it I mean don't get me wrong everybody does that of course but but that was my only Sort of
0: strength. Yeah, you aren't like I'm going to spend because an hour juggling every day. I'm juggle, no, I'm not going to spend an hour. And yeah, so, yeah.
1: and so to do it, to stand there in, in Northumberland Street in and have no skill sets, to no routines to fall back on or anything, I had to just be able to to talk well. I had to be able to stand there and attract an audience. <clears throat> yeah, and from that, once you can do that, of course, you get better and better. And and I I think for me anyway, that was the making of me. Not having any skills, you know. I think I think I might have. Um, <clears throat> Because I didn't have a performing background or anything like that, I just kind of threw myself into it. Had I been able to sort of do this amazing Diablo, I might have just done lots of that or or juggling or something else. Yeah, well, from the start dance. you were
0: dancing, you were not a really good dancer. Yeah, like, yeah, like, yeah. Like, but but the one thing you only had a couple skills. Well, that, we got already acrobatics, but I was just the guy underneath the balancing. Yeah. So yeah.
1: yeah, yeah. But I could always talk, I think. Yeah. I could always do
0: that alright so what was the evolution of the show then so you said you did fire eating first
1: that was just to build a crowd you know and um, torches one two two, two 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 and I think I ate one of them and then you got wrapping um, chains riding on chains on the ground
0: just yeah. yeah two couple people on the
1: ground and then on a Box. I had a toolbox which I had inherited from the split of me and Emma. She got the amp can, and I got the toolbox. I think mean, that was the deal. Um, and it, what was it? Why did you, have, you guys have a toolbox? It was massive. It was like it was instead of a suitcase for our props, even though uh, yeah, we didn't really have many. But it was brilliant because it was really big, so you could stand on it. Yeah, and it was almost like a mini stage. It's about sort of sixty centimeters high. It's great. So I had this thing, and I remember we went to the first time going to Japan. We both went because we had a stopover from Australia, and we'd filled this box with so much, and it was about fifty odd kilos. We we checked in fine in Australia, and then we got off the plane in in Tokyo. We got back on, and they so they're so polite. The Japanese like, ah, you must pay small uh, amount. I was like, okay, and they typed it in, and I was like, seventy quid that's all right and i was like oh no there's actually zero there 700 pounds and i just and we just argued and argued, and argued and at one point i said emma you're gonna to need to cry and uh emma started to well up and um
0: <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: and we just argued and argued and in the end they said how much have you got and we had about like equipment like 30 pounds on us. like take right pay that and and don't this go. is like flying back. Yeah, 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 yeah. And we said, look, they let us on the plane in Australia when we knew people. We don't know anyone here in Tokyo to give our stuff to. We're stuck with all this gear on a stopover. You're gonna have to let us on and they did in the end. So um so anyway, I kept this massive the box itself was like twenty kilos. You still out it? Yeah, 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 at yeah. the back, yeah. Yeah, Liam used it for a while. And I've got it back because I'm the, I'm the guy in my family with a shed. Yeah, so I right. yeah, so yeah, everything. Yeah so, it's around. Boards, uh, yeah. yeah, so I did the show for, for, for a while on this box and then I took it to Australia. I thought, ooh, if I had height, everyone's got height. So, you, so what I did, I built like legs coming out of this box and a platform. Somehow I'd spent ages trying to make it. Then I climbed up on it, and Tamara gave me tips because she had like a.
0: Yeah, I loved it, her platform. How to make
1: it. And then getting up and change was dead awkward, but I'd, I'd get up and do the escape. And what I found in Wolf, uh, wolf 2 was I'd have like one or two rows watching me and I'd get on the top and then I'd say, I have five rows mm-hmm. but of course
0: we weren't paying because they just come in to see the spectacle now around what year was this like how many years in were you doing it before you, you got started
1: oh it? right okay um, this is my first proper year or my second sorry second year so that must have been like around about 2004 or
0: 5 so the evolution yeah. is now you like got your change you're on a, on a box
1: yeah yeah on, on, on a platform and I realised that I was just getting this big crowd but I wasn't earning it mm-hmm. I didn't earn it I just stood there so I, so I ditched the polls and I ditched the platform and I just went back to normal I thought right what you've got to do is you've got to be able to work a crowd properly and have at least three rows and people sort of clambering over to see what this guy's on about why is everyone laughing at laughing at this guy's jokes not laughing at it, mm-hmm. <laughs> 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 laughing with him mm-hmm. and why are they so interested and if you can get like Let's say three proper good rows, and then you climb up something high and your crowd builds yeah. organically. That's They're on your fine. side, and yeah, that's but how, you, how, so. How long was your show then it, it, when you started out? Uh, half an hour, you know, yeah. I it's guess identical. 25, and it's still now, I think it's about 35. It's, I've, I've never done it. felt like an hour, thank it, you it, very much, so. Brian. Thanks. The first one was awful. So the, a, the funny one that, that that terrible show would have been probably shorter than the second one because. It just, you know, often when it's going badly, you get through it quicker, don't you? It just feels really long.
0: Well, I mean, it depends. Like I was saying today, I'm like, it's funny, the harder we work, the less we make. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because if if you have to work hard, you're making less money because you're just working really hard. No one's paying attention. And sometimes those sort of take longer because you're just, you keep trying to get them on your side. Yeah, yeah. So... Just getting back to the the evolution of it. So I did that, and
1: it was a while later. I think I was I was I, I, then I got a, a like a, a table which was um I got I got it
0: made. Well, after you felt like I can.
1: Yeah, I came back to Covent I, I Garden three rows. Yeah,
0: people are interested. Maybe now I'll try to go to higher. Yeah, yeah. So
1: I came back to Newcastle, and I'd I'd, I'd come down to Covent Garden, and, and and um I used to love it because I, I would never. Live long term in London, which meant I never got into the, like the absolute like the politics and the, the all the crap of Covent Garden because the rest of it is just so magical and amazing. But there's always like you know some debate going on, and I was I was always like immune to that. So I'd just come down; it would be extremely exciting and novel to me. And then I'd go back up north. It's always been such a, a lovely place for me, Covent Garden. And anyway, so it's I, pretty amazing. It is, it is, it is. And it's it's the, legendary. Yeah, legendary. yeah. And the number of people who've come through there, and and the fact that the the, the performers have.
0: Kept it. Oh, and, it's something to be very proud
1: of. It, it's it absolutely really is, it. And, and we've been on the ropes a few times over the years, yeah. you know, and folded and, and and won. You yeah. have to pick your battles, but when you do, you know, the public do get behind you in the press and all the rest of it. And, yeah, yeah, that's good. Then in the public toilets, which are closed now, there used to be um, a picture on the wall, printed on the tiles, of Covent Garden as it was like in the 1600s and stuff. Was there a picture of pop- that? No, there's a sign on the wall saying that Samuel Pepys first mentioned Punch and Judy show going oh, on here. And it's the first recorded, anyone recording, um, seeing a uh, street performance or in London, in England. Yeah. Yeah. And was, That's what I remember. Yeah, Maybe it wasn't. Yeah. And to think that you're part of that history in some very small way is, is yeah. fantastic. Uh, yeah. You know, it's, it's brilliant. So I come down and I think I, I so I went from standing on a, a box or whatever
0: but the wrap, the way you had you had worked out, this is I'm going to wrap myself up.
1: Well, I, I did, but then I had my hands behind my back, and then Kino, I remember, because he was finished by the time I'd started, so I never really saw Kino do a show. But he was often around in one state or the other, but he would occasionally just come up to me, and I don't know if he did this to everybody or just me, but uh, he seemed like me and he'd say, Rob here's a thought and sometimes he'd be bang on and he said well, you've got something missing there's something missing and um, he said yeah, 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 your escape's good but what what's, there's something missing something more and he, between us we worked out handcuffs my, my hands my, my wrists weren't chained up so I worked on, on handcuffs so I got the, the weirdly called electronic release when, when it's not electronic at all yeah it's just a, a, a loop a metal loop you know oh, the yeah, ones with yeah. a chain on it yeah. But um and then and then I made my own, which I'm still claiming to be my own invention, which is a, a metal bar with chain on it. But and I say this because um <clears throat> other magicians and skateboards have looked at it and gone, How does that work? And I was thought that's the ultimate compliment. Mm-hmm. And uh, and so yeah, that was the the development so then thanks to his little kina's little observation tip i got handcuffs it was just going really well at south bank and covent garden and different places stood on on a, a table it now was it was like a little platform with four legs And i just thought i've listened to all these podcasts and the, the different chat about height and there's certain snobbery about you know how it's a cheat and all the rest of it but as i say like there's literally there's only so many people can actually see what you're doing you know when you're on the ground and, and i just thought I can either, like, relearn, like, a whole new skill or something, or go in a different way, like, do what I'm doing, but how do I do it differently? And so just thought, well, I'll I'll have a go at heights. And when you're chained up, isn't he? You know, you're, you're quite vulnerable to what you can do, so I thought a ladder, a ladder would do. So again, back to Newcastle, pulled my dad's ladder out of the shed, and there's, there was always people at my house, brothers and cousins and mates and everything, so wrote them in again and <clears throat> got them all to hold a ladder, while I climbed up mm-hmm. and realized it had to be on a base it had yeah to because it, it yeah. had to be
0: yeah, you'd have, yeah. to have a whole bunch of people holding the one side of the ladder while you're trying to climb yeah yeah, yeah. So yeah so awkward yeah so so Sam Prest made me one he's the
1: greatest prop maker I've, I've found he's incredible and he made me a nice shiny ladder and and then climbing up that and then that was where I felt like so this is
0: the same good. ladder he made for you
1: yeah yeah uh-huh. how, how many years have you had that one? well I actually got an actual Circus ladder you know you know A performing ladder and and got it welded to make a base. Ah, okay. Um, So I did that. I had that for a couple of years, and then Sam made me a lovely, really good one. Mm -hmm. So in 2010, first time I went back to Australia since my uh, ban. So I flew in with nothing. I think Sean sold me an amcan and bought some chain, bought some chain, and then Sam Sam had the ladder, ladder. so I was good to go. Yeah, and I brought it back. So I was 2010, so nine years,
0: and it's still. So you brought that back? How'd you because you have a, a custom made. Well, here's
1: the thing. Sam's made it so the whole thing can come apart into little pu- little poles and little rungs. Yeah, but
0: the first time you brought it back, yeah, it all came apart. The whole thing
1: comes apart in just like six little poles and and ten rungs. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, it's incredible. You made it wonderfully. Yeah, yeah. So that was my show basically, and then I got to a point where it's like, well, I guess this is me. Then I'm a I'm a street performer. I'm doing this in
0: time. Wait, wait. <laughs> <laughs> So what's six, you know, six years uh, in you're like I guess this is me yeah, yeah, yeah. you know but I, I, if, if that's all you're doing you would have realised prior to that that this is no I mean well I'd done I'd had a few other businesses on the
1: side and stuff but the one thing I kept coming back to was street performing mm-hmm. and I've, I always felt like this is this is what I like, love doing you know I had been working the pitch in Newcastle for years going down to Covent Garden and all the rest of it and Kind of thing, and well, well, what's next? You know, what's how's this? And at the same time, my my wife, but we weren't married then, but we're together. She was working in the corporate world for Carlsberg and starting to hate it. And I said, um, well, why don't you why don't you quit? You know, I've worked for myself my whole life. It, you can do it. It's fine. Lots of people do. It's quite a daunting thing for her. And I said, look, why don't you work with me? I could really. I think I've got more to offer the world than. Than just you know working the pitch in Newcastle, um, why don't you be my manager? See what happens. Like I've never really had many gigs, never done any festivals apart from Japan and the odd one in Norway. How about it? And that changed everything. So she started in two thousand ten, and she got me booked for for Glastonbury, which was amazing. They get booked for that. That was that was brilliant. What a, a treat and an honor. And we've been back ever since, just about. Uh, but she got me a full tour of Canada, which was. Fantastic. So, so she, so Lou working with
0: me changed everything. Mm. She just knew how to talk to people and sell. Product, yeah, basically. I guess so. Yeah, I think I
1: think she believed in me, so she believed in what she was selling, mm. and she'd been worked in sales for Carlsberg. But Did she, she said you, know, say like, listen, let's get you a better promo video. Yeah, all of that. She got out. me on with with agents. She got me a promo video worked on and, and, um, and she's just smart you know yeah. she's just good at, uh, at doing this stuff and, and she made me look good you yeah. know to, yeah. to the, the outside world that was that was fantastic so that's when you first I doing festivals yeah so and, and what time. it I've never had a, such a big tour is that one we did um, 10 weeks of uh, Canada So we did Halifax so, together yeah Halifax together that was so the first one was Saint that was John. your first season no you know, Yeah. yeah St. John New Brunswick uh-huh. was my first one so we flew into there then we went to um, this little this sort of satellite festival wasn't it called Sydney Nova yeah yeah that's we what did. we did see yeah. together yeah. so we did that that
0: was and, fantastic
1: uh, <laughs> well we will hang out with the cow guys and uh, oh, no, they great and it was just good fun wasn't it yeah, yeah. and then and then Halifax then went to Port Credit and then Waterloo uh, yeah what a, what a tour it was it was great and so I'm really thankful to her for that and, and we did that for a I think we said look let's do this for about two years and learn everything learn, learn how to get digs, how agents work how festivals work and everything and how, how, what's what
0: it's very interesting how you, you both have the same kind of internal drive of like dissecting and then figuring. like you have a focus yeah and we're going to achieve that thing like you know you talk about like you know as an athlete you did that and then and you applied the street for me and Lou is like in a corporate world yeah. you know like we solve a problem and figure out how to solve that problem and learn all the aspects that were around that and didn't solve it and you both have a I similar so, like yeah. focus like
1: yeah well the thing is I've never had a corporate sort of background being a self-employed and, a, and then a, and a performer but her her corporate background was really helpful yeah and I, I, I guess I've never thought of it like the way you've said it there but yeah you're absolutely right That's that's how we ourselves so we said look let's let's figure it out give ourselves two years and then we could you know take it further and start representing not just me but other, other acts and we did exactly that and in the meantime we got engaged I proposed and then oh god planning a wedding is unbelievable as you know like <laughs> it consumes your life and so we got married in 2012 after like we got married in France it was amazing and we did a, a cabaret in the evening who we um Pete Anderson was the MC. Ben Diem, sound Press, and then Face the disco. Finished it. Yeah. Liam did the show with me brother, and they did all the masks. But they changed it, and they did all the family. Ah, nice. Ah, it's great. And and then me and Lou was the final one. Um, that was great. And then we got so we did that, and then came back from France, and we had about a week. And then went like, "Oh my God, we've got all this time in our hands." <laughs> you know, like, you know, the amount of time you have free when you're not planning your own wedding mm-hmm. is incredible. So that was when we said, "Well, let's we'll start an agency." This seems like a good idea. Yeah, yeah. We've thought about it for a while. Well, do you why, know what it is? There's, there's a lot of, and I say this in the nicest possible way. There's a lot of performers who are incredible at performing and and wonderful artists and creative, but they're, they're the worst at organising themselves. I'm not going to name names, but I had once one former said <laughs> I would rather not get paid than than do an invoice. You know?
0: Oh, I'm not that. Bad. No, but no, I I'm just, like, I'm just terrible. Yeah, yeah, But you know, oh, no, I get it. But and I, but it's just interesting that you would um, take that on. That you would decide that this is something that I mean.
1: Well, you know, yeah, just, but when too, you when you are, but if you think of the progression of like. You are a performer, then your wife you, you starts becoming your manager, going, well, why don't we give this a go and work together? You know, it's a natural progression. So, well, we could represent a few more acts, especially with mm-hmm. my brother Liam yeah. at the time who was street sure, performing. Sure, yeah, yeah. Like, oh, well, yeah. we could easily get him the odd gig and different things. And yeah. So, yeah, yeah. So it seemed like a natural thing to do. Yeah. yeah. And so it's Covent Garden... Covent, Covent Garden Entertainment. We called it. Because um, the name wasn't taken. Well, it's, it's an area, you see. Yes, it's... Um, it's like calling yourself Westminster or, yeah. you know, Birmingham or something. No one owns it. But there's a lot of weight to the name. There is, and it's great. And we get, like, four calls out of five. It's an old lady saying, what time's the juggler on? Yeah, yeah. Um, and we just had one today. A lovely woman asking to, to see Corey Pickett show. And she was so complimentary. Um, but it, it does nothing for us. But, but lovely. And people just asking when can I see a human statue and link? but one time out of five it's would like to book an act or something you know. and, right. and so it, it, yes it's, it's worth taking the other four calls yeah, <laughs> for yeah, our yeah. fifth call and um, yes and it, it does help it's, it's a world famous place Covent Garden and yeah. it has it has status around the world and rightly so you know it's a fantastic pitch and fantastic performers over history and, and to this day you know wonderful performers and you only have to and it seems like an easy pitch you know it's great and everyone's there you only have to get on a bad day or phone it in and be complacent and not try and you realize it's it's hard so you know when you yeah, see these yeah. guys you know day in day out pulling off crowd
0: uh, crowd and pulling off a show you realize yeah. that you, the quality of the act's there yeah yeah i didn't find it easy it's hard mm. um so you take on this agency and then I mean, now you're doing international stuff and well, you're trying to create festivals.
1: It, it, it totally coincided with having kids
0: as well, you know. So I had Herbie in
1: 2013 and suddenly, like, these little... And also, my brother Liam used to live in London and he lived in Sheldon Street, which is about 150 metres from... Covent Garden Tube station. It was amazing. So for about two or three years, I'd go down and stay at his place. And I once woke up four minutes before the draw and still got there. And <laughs> <laughs> still got there with a minute to spare. Yeah, I'm <laughs> You asshole. Yeah, 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 yeah. There was a bit of that. There was a bit of that. Yeah. Um, and then everything changed. Liam moved away. Um, Lou and I were married and I didn't really want to just. You know, leave here every weekend, and then, and then having Herbie changed everything again because um, you know you want to be away less. So trips to Amsterdam, you know, and Dublin and stuff, I would stopped doing. So it it kind of suited our purpose that if we had an agency, then, so then focusing on that. And- yeah, then then there's there's more to to be had from performing than just literally being on the pitch yourself. You know, mm. and I, I still remain as deeply passionate about street performing now as I did. All those years ago, now, though, I don't feel I have to do it to, to be that passionate. I feel bringing shows to places that don't always have them, wherever the gig may be, you know, bringing these acts and these
0: fantastic acts that we represent to somewhere is, is brilliant. Because sometimes you're bringing places where people not, would never really see this. Isn't that, not Absolutely.
1: This. Uh, well, recently we were in Exeter and they actually, it's quite nice when, when they see the list of performance they ask for me because it's quite a compliment. Because I I tend not to put myself forward, or because it's a bit awkward to say pick me, pick me. So I don't. But they did say could we could we book you? So I was there myself, and it was incredible. I had an old lady who was like seventy, eighty, probably in her eighties said like this is fantastic. I've never seen anything like this in here in Exeter. It's brilliant and wonderful stuff, you know. And the number of times I've heard this this podcast about our street performance started in Australia from the Expo and performers. It oh, was very young kids seeing these performers going I want to do that and then becoming the next generation uh, of, of performers and who's to say that that hasn't happened
0: in the random places where we've sent performers you don't know and yeah that, know yeah, that the, story with this, yeah it's interesting that you bring that up. that story with, with Australia it seems like a very clear yes thing yes. like where, where everything else everywhere else around the yeah. world isn't it's just like it was happening yeah. but in australia it seems like that is the kind of the big bang yeah of like street performing in australia is that the expo 88 seems to be the place when jp and and all these guys came up through seeing these performers that came through yeah and yeah maybe it's possible like um i mean it's a different world now but yeah. some of these festivals inspires yeah people's not even become a street performer just decide oh i can have a job as a you know a comedian a clown a magician a yeah you, you know. but you
1: know at the very least it's just made people happy and shown it's so how great, how great yeah how great street performing is and um and you don't just have, you know it's not just Covent Garden you know it, to take it to another town or city or something yeah. like that, or, or put on you know or be part of a festival put on a festival where it's all going on is, is magical you know it really is
0: yeah I think that's the thing the difference is instead of like you know you, could you bring you can bring street theater to a city or a town where th- there's no theater. There wouldn't be a theater yeah, anywhere. Yeah. And they're getting to see these things, these yeah. live entertainment, so it's really accessible in that way, where they couldn't afford it or they wouldn't it wouldn't even exist. Yeah. And they need to experience something live that would be nothing that's completely out uh, of culture out of the World. Well
1: the the, the the I guess the the next step to that is the the international gigs that we've started doing we've start doing things in China and goodness me China has enough um, you know acrobats and That's amazing high skilled but but we offer you know as, as as our group of you know foreign to them foreign performers a totally different style which which I guess we take for granted be, because we you know for me and the performers I've taken, we've been surrounded by these all these other fantastic performers, you know, whether it's in Sydney or whether it's in in Covent Garden or wherever you're from, you know. Um, and so we've all developed these different styles, but we take it for granted, They're like, yeah, we're street performers, but then you go to a place like this where, where they, they have a totally different style mm-hmm. and. I'm not saying one's better than the other, but we're totally refreshing to a, to them yeah. and an audience. Yeah. it's completely different, and they've they've all been inspired by each other. But that you don't grow that way, do you? you know, that's why I was saying before about about I've always thought going to different pitches. Sure,
0: I've never been Being in Japan and seeing the yeah, you see
1: more and you see more. And, and okay, take China for example. They they, they they don't get to travel around these performers, and I don't know, you know if there is much street performance, but their general performing world they're inspired by each other and they're all doing the same style. Whereas um, somewhere like Europe or North America, especially Europe, you don't have to go farm. There's another city, another country and it's a different approach
0: and a different style. Mm-hmm. And we've all, been, um, we've all benefited from that, you know? you know? what I think is interesting about that? Well, two things, one, one thing with China, I know that like in, there was a clown theater festival that, from New York with a bunch of people. I don't know if it started a group in New York, but a lot of them, my friends went to China just a clown just clowns all clowns only clowns in China so you got like really American style clowns going to China like that classic like red nose painted face thing and their experience was like well it's crazy because they've never seen anything like that there this kind of American traditional clown oh really yeah loads of them right like a whole you know like a plane full of clowns going to a festival in China like clowning and so that you know whatever that I don't know how long it's been running or if it's still running but you know taking that step also was like seeing that another aspect of performing not a street theatre show but just clowns being there yeah. participating and stuff and as value you know uh, spreading that and um well word travels
1: quickly you know, clearly because when well, we've been they've had the in-house clowns and they're the classic you know red nose and the face paint and the big shoes and, and that's their that's their idea of clowns
0: but uh, you know it might come from that this festival had come over there oh my have. yeah yeah yeah. I yeah, don't know yeah. But then giving them an option of like clowns don't have to be
1: like that, you know. no not, not all these people and so and so that's that's been our sort of angle I guess in and our little contribution to the world. I guess where I come into at that is, is by having these wonderful opportunities of working these different festivals and gigs mm-hmm. and know everybody or not everybody, I know a lot of people. With any industry or business it's it's who you know and contact is so important. Yeah. And and I'm so grateful to know so many people. And and also to to call so many of them friends makes makes it a, a fantastic job to sort of you know then be their agent and and
0: uh, on the on the on it's the nice gig. to see people work isn't it Oh, it's lovely it it's is <laughs> yeah 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 it's great yeah I like like even just referring a friend like I can't do this gig and I'm like did you get it like yeah I'm like good so yeah. glad like you know but,
1: but, but what I, I really like is that um you know some of our acts. you know they'll go the extra mile I assume they would anyway because pros but I'd, I'd, I'd like to think by you know having a history with them and you know sometimes I can I can level with them and say look this isn't the best gig I need you to you know do as a failure yeah, yeah, and they, yeah. they will because they know that next time they can trust me next time I'll, I'll sort them out for a good one Yeah, good gig and, and all that and and that helps yeah and so so no, no one these people I've I've met around the world has been it's, it's just made everything a wonderful I guess a wonderful career and then and then it's have we've made a, a
0: nice business on the back of it yeah the other thing I was thinking that when you're saying earlier about like um you know you're talking about exposing like China for example to different stuff and and traveling around and, and as a performer going like I'm gonna go to Japan and see that is thinking about the um, especially I'll just talk about Covent Garden because you've been there loads. Is that there is a certain? I find it interesting. There's a certain style that starts happening at certain. Oh, uh, absolutely. There's a, a Covent Garden style is like a Key West style. There's a. It's. I find it really fascinating that I think it's because it can't help but that happen. Yeah. Because even though new people will come in, like you know, you're going to have Covent Garden performers coming in, and then you have the you know also like the mm-hmm. Australia style. Like, I, I think it's interesting and, and it's great in a way that there's a specific style because it keeps it like you can go, oh, that's a Covent Garden performer. Not as a dig yeah. or anything like that, but that's like there's something about that. That, that person is informed by their that pitch, the city they live in, the style of show that they've watched growing up or whatever that becomes a certain style. And I wonder if, I mean, I think it's kind of cool, but also at the same time, it's like, well, can you evolve past that? Can some of the performers break out of that style? Have you seen? Yeah,
1: well, well, I mean, my,
0: my memories of a classic
1: Covent Garden performer is one where he can build a crowd from nothing. And I say he, because they, they were traditionally always blokes, but now there's there's plenty of great girl performers as well. Get a crowd from from nothing in a tux and doesn't need an amp because yeah. because that is a and that is, that is that is the pitch because it can be a tough pitch. You need to build it up from something tiny on a quiet day to big. It was always a suit because, like in Australia, everyone's wearing like a vest and shorts. Well, that, you know that's it's not the, the, that's not that's the look for
0: Australia, but that's not the look for London. Now, of so, course, it's also the, sort of of suit the weather. Yeah, that suits it. Like you, in Australia, you're going to be wearing shorts and a t-shirt. Yeah, in in London, you're going to wear something warmer. Small and it took. Yeah, you're British. Yeah, and there was times I remember when I was still
1: working in Covent Garden in sort of two thousand and two. Um, amps were banned at the time mm-hmm. and then they were banned for certain hours of the day and different things and then they'd be reinstated and then they'd ban amps again so you had to be able to do a show without an amp and, yeah, I, think, and I struggled I shouted with more but the, the good ones oh, they were great well there's a yeah. pacing
0: like if you if you only have to shout yeah if you if your show is just shouting you, there's a pacing you, yeah. you use less words yeah you, you know it's a, a projection mm-hmm. and if that's all you know then you're going to be really good at it
1: yeah but I think there's a certain... I think, to answer your question, I think there are performers who have travelled and I think they are better for it, you know. I, know I, I you know, I I definitely think... But also, the I ones think, that have stayed in a certain place and made that style their own, I think there's nothing wrong with that. That Whether it's, whether it's Key West or Tokyo or Covent Garden, they've, they've taken that, that
0: sort of style and made that their own and, and they do it fantastically. Yeah, I think a lot of times those are the performers that just stay on that pitch and work that pitch. Yeah. That's also fine. Like, it's, if, you know, if you can make a living in your city yeah. and just work that one pitch and, and you can make a living and you're happy mm. with it. But I do agree with you that I think that it's important to go outside there because you can get stuck. You can, you can just get in a rut of, like, you're with the same pitch every yeah. day, all year round. You're never seeing anything new. Your show is not evolving. You're, you're not evolving. You're not getting influences. Well I've found with street performing there are some real transferable
1: skills but also there are some transferable your problems or symptoms and it's, it's the same the world over in many businesses. The best businesses and the best people in any industry are the ones who go out and see what else is going on in the world yeah, rather yeah. than staying blinkered and very often in, in lots of industries you see people just one copies the other copies the other and it's, it's that one who'll go the extra mile or think differently to the rest who's going to win that's that's the same the world over well I mean, and we're we're, we're, we're victims of, of that we're just humans so we as a group of street performers or a world of street performers we, we're making the same mistakes as on, on the whole as the world over you know we're yes. we're being influenced by who's around us Mm-hmm. And if you don't go out and see what else is in the world, then you're, you're going to fall short and not live up your potential. That is an interesting point, though. Covent Garden is changing. Certainly the owners wanted to be, when they took over, made it quite clear, they didn't want it to be just a touristy place. They needed to be the, the jewel in their crown, they said, because they have property all over the world. And this needs to be the jewel in their crown, Covent Garden. Who, so, who are the owners? They're called um, Capco, Capital and Counties, and they yeah. own shopping malls and, and real estate all over the world. But Covent Garden needs to be their one, so that's why they don't want naff, knickknack, tourist shops. They want high end, yeah, nice jewelry shops and, and and you know designer stores and all the rest of it. And that's their
0: that's their aim, yeah. but I wonder those people that want to bring in are those the people that want to watch street shows
1: I don't know only they will know the, the, the footfall of numbers and things like that but what they're missing is like the majority of people who want to come to Covent Garden are just tourists, you know? Yeah, and yeah. Um, Shade Shacks open up there, and it's always busy because they're just tourists who want a burger, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, and they may well buy a T-shirt, but they probably don't want to buy a you know, £500 watch or something like yeah. that. And it does look good on paper, but I, I do think you have to listen to your audience, yeah. you know? As a street performer, you always have to do adapt to your audience, and I think they should as well in certain circumstances.
0: Will you go back and work Covent Garden? I think? Oh, absolutely! Yeah, yeah. It's just it's just so
1: hard finding time between trying to apply myself running an agency and then family, kids, and all the rest of it. Mm-hmm. Plus, we have another few businesses on the go. It's it's hard now. I dare say, But of, of course I will. But but whether okay. I'm, I'd go down there and spend a month or something, I just don't have the time to, to do that. But yeah. but I'm loath to to not go and do shows at Covent Garden just because just is brilliant, you know, mm-hmm. and. Um, I think it keeps you sharp as well, you know. I think as soon as you. I've cut down so much on performing. Like this year, I've, I've done. We did a gig in China and I was, I performed in Mandarin. And this year, I've performed more shows in Mandarin than I have in English so far. Yeah, and you were saying. It's ridiculous, yeah. Yeah. But what does that say? So I did, I did 12 shows there and I've done. Well, coming up to 12 this year, and it's end of July. Um, yeah so I'm just doing more uh, sorry less and less of performing and more and more the stuff but, um, but I do fear if I, if I was to just stop it's very hard to get back into it and, and, uh,
0: and I love it you know what, what is your favourite part about street performing and what's your least favourite part about street performing
1: oh you always ask this question and I'm sure this is edited out when people have of things. I don't always ask this question do you know, or, no, or I do just... people loom or something I, is it easy to narrow it down one now no, but
0: no. I am um, I would hate this question myself but I don't know I just thought I'd throw it out there for me this sounds totally narcissistic
1: but the thing I like best out of street performance is the, the success of it I really enjoy
0: we're all it. narcissists Rob well, why way, would we, way, why we stand in the square <laughs> and shout um, to get people to look at us as a narcissist I, mean, I would say <laughs> like, yeah. um, fuck why else would we do that I guess unless so, you uh, want yeah. we want to be liked yeah, to be, yeah yeah. It's, like it's an ego thing it's a, it's a uh, yeah. security thing. But it's not
1: just that. It's be, because I really enjoy the challenge, and that's exactly what it is, to go from literally yeah. one guy and his dog to a full crowd and see the thing come full circle, and then at the end... And I know getting paid is the key element in, in it, and it's very important, but it's not a beyond end all, of course, but it is also a reflection of how well you've done and everything. But but just, just the whole... The journey, the journey of it. Yeah, I agree. Actually. It ends it, with it's success, that. and and um, well, I, I guess the bit you hate is is the the hard shows or the the bit where it's not success. I have a reoccurring dream sometimes. It's happening less now, but it always used to happen. Is is was the show never finished properly? If I've if I've done one thing in life, it's had a tight show and good transitions and all those things, you know. And I think it's my my subconscious you know, my, my inner fear is not having a, a tight show and it's this reoccurring dream of the show doesn't ha- finish because it goes loose and something happens and yeah, and yeah your audience disappears yeah, yeah, yeah and uh, yeah and they go and watch a duck you know, laying an egg or something <laughs> yeah, yeah and I'm like, come back and it, it takes too long I'm better than a duck laying yeah, an yeah, egg yeah, yeah, come on why is this happening to me again and yeah what does that say about my in a psyche yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's a wonderful we of living. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I don't always buy into the negativity of people saying, Ah oh, well, you know, it used to be better in the old days and all the rest, but there's there's still thousands of pitches and the good ones are still great. Whether they were better than now, I don't care. They're still great. There's loads of cities where you can go and, and work and be enjoyed and appreciated you just have to figure it out the first time might not be good but you figure it out and I know that the YouTube effects and the MTV generation we used to say but I, I know that's affected things but it doesn't, there's, there's still a demand or, or, a, or a, an appreciation of, of what we do and yeah I, I guess we just have to adapt to that but there's still a way of making it work and having that journey and that success at the end of it you know, where everyone's enjoyed your show and pulling off a, whatever it is, a successful show or a big crowd or whatever.
0: Yeah, it's still there. Yeah. Well, I think we should end on that. That was a really nice right, uh, yeah. capper. That was great. All right. Thank you, Rob. Thanks for having me. Yeah, of course. <laughs> Good stuff. I want to take a moment to plug a book that's coming out that you can currently listen to. It's called This Is What We Do For A Living, and it's by Shiva Grings. If you don't know Shiva, he's a hilarious clown who improvises his show. I met Shiva in the early 2000s working the pitch in Copenhagen. Back then he would do his finale on a unicycle as he worked on getting rid of props and just playing with the audience. I'll post a link to the website where you can listen to him read the book as well as how you can purchase it. If anyone has a project they'd like me to plug, let me know by emailing me at magic at as always, this podcast is a labor of love, but we do need sponsorship to keep it going. So if you'd like to become a sponsor of the podcast, contact me at that same address, magic at You can also visit the Busker Hall of Fame website and throw a little love into our online hat by clicking on the donate button. Or become a sustaining supporter of the project at patreon.com forward slash busker stories. For as little as a dollar a month, you can help grow this resource and generate more content. Thanks in advance for helping support this project and helping keep busking history alive. Music for the podcast came from 357 Lover. Links to both songs are available in the notes section of this episode on the Busker Hall of Fame website. You can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play, and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, SoundCloud, and YouTube. If you enjoyed this podcast, please tell a friend about it and leave us a review. We'd really appreciate it. If you'd like someone to be interviewed or you feel a certain voice has not been heard, please reach out to me and let me know. We're doing our best to capture interviews and stories with as many performers as we possibly can. It's up to you to help fill in the gaps. So on behalf of myself, Kim Potter, who edited the episode, and the rest of the team of the Busker Hall of Fame, remember, if you can't laugh at yourself, find someone else, and laugh at them. I'm Magic Brian. Thanks for listening.